Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Well, it's official. It's official. I'm sure many of you watched Trump's big announcement that Trump is now running for president. Not a shock, not a shock. We knew this was going to happen. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about his speech a little bit more. I watched most of it. It's funny. Even Fox, even Fox, uh, took the first maybe 40 minutes, then cut out, then took the last like 10 minutes. So even Fox didn't show the whole thing. It was a little long. It was like an hour and five minutes. For me, that's way too long. They're way too long to announce you're running for president. It was long and some people thought it was sleepy, but the sleepy part's probably good for Trump, right? Because it wasn't a rally. It wasn't like there was no, the usual uh, Trump energy that comes with a rally and belligerence that comes with a rally. So it was kind of low key, which I think was good. You know, Democrats will complain. Democrats are already complaining on Twitter that it was sleepy, making fun of him. But then when he gives a fiery speech, they also make fun of him, saying he's a belligerent, you know, moron. So, you know, Democrats are just being spiteful. But I, I think it was a it was a speech that um, really kind of outlined what will happen. I mean, for those of, for people who think that this is going to be the Trump we see for the next year or so, they're crazy. This is not going to be the Trump we see. I'm already hearing like people like Mike Huckabee saying, if this is, if this is the Trump we see the rest of the way, he's got to, no one can touch him. Well, I disagree that no one can touch him. And also, uh, I don't, it's not, it's not going to be the Trump we see the rest of the way. No one else has announced yet. So there's no one to attack yet, you see. So it's easy for Trump to give a speech that's not attacking people when you have no opponent in the primary yet. But once DeSantis gets in and a Pence gets in and, you know, It'll be a different story. We'll see the good old Donald Trump who screams and yells and calls people's names and tears people down. And that'll, in the end, I believe, take him down. Um, I think I, I agree with the sentiment with the anti-Trump people that tonight's the night that Ron DeSantis became president of the United States, meaning that I think it's actually good for DeSantis that Trump is in. I don't think I don't think Trump's going to be that much of a formidable opponent once Ron DeSantis gets going, to tell you the truth. Um we're, we're talking about we're talking about a guy who's going to be 80 years old, right? So this is where we are. This is where we're at in this country. We can have two 80-year-olds running against each other. It was bad enough when they were both in their mid-70s. Now they're both going to be 80, him and Biden running against each other. I mean, he, Trump even had a, a, a Biden moment because Trump refuses to use a damn teleprompter tonight. Uh, you know, Trump the, – and, and the problem with the mistake Trump made tonight was he was making a good point, a valid point – Something I've given him credit for, which is not starting any new wars. But instead of saying I, I was the first president in decades to not start any new wars, he said I didn't start new wars for decades. Well, you're only president for four years, guy. You couldn't have not started new wars for decades. But he doesn't want to read off the teleprompter. So he had kind of a, a senior moment, a Biden moment, right? Something that the, the right laugh at when Biden does that. So this is the problem we're having here. We don't we don't really need two guys who are 80 years old. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if Joe Biden was the best candidate the Democrats could ever run and Trump was the best candidate of Republic. They're both going to be 80 fucking years old. Come on. Enough is enough with this. Enough is enough. I mean, what kind of a you got to have real. A real ego issue. 
to run for president when you're 80 years old, right? And both of them have huge – I talk about Trump's ego, but Biden has huge egos too. He's going to run again. He knows he's deteriorating mentally. He's going to be 80 years old, and yet he's going to run again. These guys never know when to stop. And you had Trump tonight saying some good things policy-wise, such as calling for term limits. Well, okay. How about calling for age limits, Right. There are people who are 65 who are forced to retire from corporations. There's no corporation that puts someone at 80 at the head of their at head of the corporation as a CEO at 80 years old, starting at 80 years old. They don't do that. So how about that? If you have term limits, yeah. How about an age limit when it comes to running for president of the United States? How about that? Of course, he wouldn't agree with that because he's 80. You know, he also said something. And we'll talk more about the Republicans officially taking the House and uh, Kevin Kiley out of California, yay, Northern California being the deciding election, 180, 180, being, being 218, being number 218, Kevin Kiley. Remember, Kevin Kiley ran unsuccessfully against Gavin Newsom in the recall election. Then he turned around quickly, ran for Congress and won and was the deciding 218 that gave the Republicans the House. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, Trump said we'll abolish every Biden COVID mandate. And rehire every patriot who was fired from a military with an apology and full back pay. You know, and I, I applaud that. But I also wrote something on Twitter. I said, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Governor Ron DeSantis had foresight. And there's the major difference between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis right there when it comes to COVID. DeSantis had the foresight to not do any of these things, to not do lockdowns, to not do masking, to not do vaccine mandates. He had the foresight to use the real science, the real actual science, not the political science. And he was incredibly successful. One of the reasons why he was reelected by 20 points where Donald Trump can talk about this now. But the covid mandates that he talks about were they were able to put them in place because of his crap vaccine that he that he fast tracked through Operation Warp Speed. So if not for Trump's crap vaccine. There would be no vaccine mandates. So those mandates were created because of his crap vaccine, which he refuses. He refuses, just like most Democrats refuse, just like many doctors refuse to admit as a crap vaccine. It's a crap vaccine. It is. We know that. It doesn't stop the spread. You got to get it 17 times. You, you get COVID 28. It's a crap vaccine. And, and of course, when Trump mentions the vaccine, now when he mentioned the vaccine at that uh, white at that Mar-a-Lago thing was all his friends. No one booed him. But we know when Trump is at rallies and he mentions the vaccine, he gets booed and rightfully so because that's, that's a big failure he can't admit to. So he has to pretend like Biden pretends, like Fauci pretends. He's in the same. So when it comes to the vaccine, Trump was in the same camp as the Democrats and the liberals. He can't admit it didn't work. He can't admit it was a failure, right? And he can't admit that those that vaccine, that crap vaccine led to these mandates. And without that vaccine, obviously, there are no vaccine mandates. So we're talking about a guy that got a lot wrong when it comes to COVID. OK, he got a lot wrong when it, when it comes to when it came to COVID. He put Fauci front and center. He was for lockdowns. He put out tweets saying the lockdowns were the right thing and Sweden did it the wrong way. When it ends up, Sweden did it the right way. So he was wrong on that. And that's a big failure. That's a huge failure. That's probably one reason why I would – the biggest reason or one of the major reasons, I have many, why I'd support DeSantis over Trump, hindsight versus foresight, right? 
Um, but of course, the idea of getting rid of old mandates and and rehiring all these people who were fired is a great idea. I'm all for that. You know, there's no doubt that I'm for that. No doubt about it. Um, yeah, someone wrote on Twitter. I'll, I'll go through some tweets too because obviously it was a very very busy hour and a half leading up to the show on Twitter. We force Eric says we force pilots to retire at 65. Well, the 2024 election for the leader of the most powerful country in the world could be between two 80-year-old men in questionable cognitive health. Absolutely true. Tonight, Cobra says, tonight was the night DeSantis became president. Um, Trump is the past. Daily Wire knows it, The Blaze knows it, and soon you will know it. And Defiant Baptist writes, zero mentions of lockdowns, zero mentions of travel restrictions, zero mentions of masks, zero mentions of warp speed, and zero mentions of vaccines. Everything that, of course, Trump that was was wrong on. Lockdown, travel restrictions, mask, warp speed, and vaccines. Now, Ron DeSantis, having it right all along, I believe if he were president of the United States, because this is what he did as governor of Florida, so I think he would have done the same thing as president of the United States, he would have come out against all those things from day one, and Trump did not. Even if it was day 60, but Trump did not. He didn't. He didn't come out strongly against masking. Okay, He didn't try to embarrass Democratic governors into stopping it, right? He didn't give them the science, the real science, the facts. He never said any of those things. And the same thing with travel restrictions. Remember, Trump shut down the country, right? So you can't, that's also, we know that was wrong. There was no no good came of that. Only, Only bad came of that. And yet Trump was wrong about that also. So there are so many things that Trump got wrong. Of course, Trump is not going to mention the things he got wrong. The things Trump did talk about that would probably help him is the idea of, are you better off now than you were four years ago, right? Is the economy better now than it was under me? Is inflation better now than it was under me? Is, um, is, is gas prices, you know, better now than they were under me? Um, uh, internationally, we're we better now than we were under. So all these things, yes, you could do that. I mean, these are things that Democrats tried to do, right, during the campaign. Some succeeded and some failed. But, uh, Jerry, I'll get to you in a second. Just want to finish my rant monologue. I'll call it a monologue, not a rant. Um, so th- there were some things that were good about the speech, some things that were bad about the speech. You know, it, it's so funny. Fox cuts out and they talk about how, oh, he's only talking about issues. He's being very calm. He's not bringing up petty grievances. And they go back. And as soon as they go back, he starts talking about petty grievances like the Mar-a-Lago raid and Garland and all this stuff. And Trump's not going to be able to not talk about that stuff. He's not going to be able to not talk about, you know, the Justice Department going after him. He's not going to be able to not talk about the 2020 election. He's not going to be able to not talk about these things. It's impossible because he doesn't stay on teleprompter. He doesn't He doesn't have a speechwriter that he, he follows their script. He goes off it. That's why he went so long tonight. I mean, he kept on droning on and on and on about China and all these other things that really weren't necessary for a speech where you're announcing when you're running president when there will be plenty of time. Plenty of time since he's announcing so damn early. Plenty of time to talk about these things moving forward. Didn't have to do it tonight. So that, I believe, was overblown. I would have cut that speech in half, which it might have been. But once again, he won't follow the teleprompter. So he goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, you know, once again, obviously, this is the, the, the incredible vanguard of this 
2024 election. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't believe how absurd it is that he announced so early. I mean, this is the earliest in the history by far. I mean, Obama was was criticized at coming out early in February of, of 2007, but no one knew who he was. No one had no idea what a Barack Obama was in February of 20, 2007. Only people in, in Illinois knew who he was. So he had to do that early. But Donald Trump, there's no reason why Donald Trump had to do this before Thanksgiving of this year, two years before the election. Once again, my reasoning, and it would have been, he would have maybe had more cachet in this if his candidates had done well. But his reasoning for doing this would be to say, I'm the king, I'm the former president, don't even think about getting in, don't even consider it. You know, and that's, might have, he, he might have had a point before the election, but now after the election, when, by the way, two thirds of his candidates lost, okay, 67%, I believe, of his candidates lost. Now, Trump said something about 235 to 35, but that's in primaries. Primaries don't count. Who cares? And now you have people talking about how Trump is, you know, a shoo-in in the primary. Who cares? Who cares about winning a primary? It's about winning a general election. I believe Trump has no chance to win a general election. Remember, Trump lost two general elections. No one talks about that either. Trump lost the popular vote both times. Okay. He lost by a combination, a combined, Trump lost by a combined 10 million votes to two of the worst de- Democratic candidates ever in Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. Okay. So how do you think he might do against a Gavin Newsom, a young, slick, hair gelled, you know, uh, uh, slickster, slick talker, I guess you can call him, you know, like Slick Willie, but even a younger version of that. I mean, I don't think it's going to go very well for Donald Trump. And it would, it would, it would, I'd leave this country. I know people say this all the time. I leave, the, I leave this country of Gavin Newsom, if the governor of my state, my, my, my disaster state, California, became president of the United States. And I think that he could easily beat Donald Trump just on optics alone. And this is America. Optics are a big thing. But once again, primaries don't matter. So Trump's candidates won the primaries. Who gives a shit? They couldn't win the general election. Two thirds of them lost. Okay. A week ago. That's a big issue. And it is on him. Yes. You could put it on Mitch McConnell in the money game. You can put it on the fact that the Republicans for the second straight election weren't ready for mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting, you know, and I think uh, was, is, it, is it Ben Shapiro and uh, Charlie Kirk who's been talking about this stuff. The, the Republicans have to get into that game now of, of the ground game, of tracking down ballots, of ballot harvesting, of early voting. They have to play the game. You might not like the game. You might think it's disgusting. You might think it's not right. But if you don't play it, you're going to lose it for a third time in two years. So you can blame all of these things. But those were Trump candidates, and you damn well know, folks, that if two-thirds of them had won, he'd be talking about that. He'd be taking credit. He'd have them up there on the stage with him, okay? Two-thirds of his candidates lost. Biden and Democrats made it. MAGA, MAGA candidates, MAGA king, MAGA candidates, MAGA MUGA candidates. Whether you think it's overblown or not, and I think a lot of it is, it worked. Why did it work? Because his brand is poison. The MAGA name is poison. Trump should have come up with something. Make America Great Again is a great slogan, but MAGA sounds like maggot. It has a terrible sound to it. And they've been able to use that, the Democrats, right? If it was honey, they couldn't do it. So it's MAGA, and it sounds like a horrible thing, and it works. Look, it's America. This shit works. His brand, his MAGA brand, is poisoned in a general election. It might be manna from heaven in a primary, 
but it's poison in a general election. And that's all that matters. Where Ron DeSantis proved he can get Democrats to vote for him. You see, Trump does get the Republican base fired up, but the problem is he gets the Democratic base as fired up and he gets the independents fired up against him. That's the problem. DeSantis proved he can get Republicans. He can get, he, DeSantis proved he can get establishment Republicans, MAGA Republicans, independents, progressives, Democrats, Latinos, blacks, everything. Trump can't touch those categories the way DeSantis can nationwide. So congratulations to Trump. He's running again. I got to give the guy credit. He's got a lot of energy. I don't know how at his age he, he can do this. But all right. He's got the energy to do it. He's got the drive. He's got the ego. And I guess it's all full speed ahead now for uh, for 2024. I'll talk more about the Republicans taking the House, but I'll get to Jerry. Jerry, what's up? Uh, yeah, so I'm a Democrat, and um, I kind of have, like, figured out that um, a lot of what's been going on, um, I take it with the election and 2024. I, like, first off, I'm going to just say Biden has completely proven that he's, like, not cognitively all there. Of course not. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. you know, uh, look, I think... I think Trump is a lot more there cognitively, even though he made a stupid mistake tonight than Biden. But who knows when you're that age what you're going to be like in two years or, or four years, right? right, There's no, right. There are no guarantees at that point. My whole thing is um, – I, I, and, and, and I'm not trying to come off as ageist or anything like that, but maybe we should probably try having like younger individuals and because I, I notice a pattern where – we keep electing these people who are in their 80s, close to 90s in office, and we're expecting, like, the top performance. Like, these are very – these are old men, and I'm not saying they're, you know, feeble or anything like that. But I am saying that, um, you know, putting this much of a workload on someone who's that old just isn't healthy. And, you know, you can clearly see it, it's just not good. But um, – my my main question for you is: Is it true that you eat your own dog shit? Oh, you got me! Wow, Jerry, <laughs> you eat dog shit. You eat dog shit, Nick. You dog shit. You dog shit. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna knock you, you off. Dog shit. This is dog like, shit. This is like an old talk. You credit. You think you're annoying me, but you're not. Because when I was when I worked in talk radio, I didn't knock him off. And with that, he hung up. I didn't knock him off. Um, when I was in talk radio, that was always a good thing to do. And Jerry did it the right way. When I worked in talk radio, I was a screener for uh, uh, a guy named Bob Grant, who was a very popular uh, right wing <laughs> talk show host in New York in the '90s, uh, way before the '90s. But I worked with him in the '90s. And uh, and we'd have callers call in. You know, they had the dump button and all that nonsense. I don't have that. You know, the seven-second delay thing. And people would call in and say, uh, like, they start screaming, fuck you, fuck you, fuck, right at the beginning, which was stupid. Because then we just dump them and then no one would hear it. But what Jerry did is the right way to do it, which is you have to butter the host up. You can't make them know what's coming. You know, you sort of be like, hey, you know, you, uh, I agree with everything you say. And, you know, Trump's a horrible candidate and you're a motherfucker, motherfucker. He did it the right way. That's like almost like um, Howard Stern, Baba Booey type caliber stuff. So I give Jerry credit. I'm not blocking you, Jerry. You can 
You can listen in and call in again if you want. Because you're so clever, Jerry. So clever. And so smart. <laughs> and I'm guessing you've, you've called talk radio at some point over the years. All right. But um, I don't eat dog shit. I don't like it. I don't, I, I've heard, although I live in a city with, with not only dog shit on the street, but people shit on the street. I, I live in a city, San Francisco, where people shit on the street. And uh, it's run by Democrats. Uh, the city's run by Democrats. The state's run by Democrats. Even with Kevin Kiley and another Republican winning today, finally, it's like 37 to 9, Democrats to Republicans. 37 to 9, Democrats to Republicans in the Congress in California. So we live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a disaster of a state where gas is $8 a gallon, like $4 higher than anywhere else, where homelessness is 20 times worse than anywhere else, where people shit and piss on the streets daily, where you have to worry about getting raped, robbed, and looted on a daily basis, where businesses have to close down at 8 because they're afraid to be open after dark, and it's run by Democrats. And it's been run by Democrats for a long, long time. And yet that's where I live. So... Sometimes you got to blame the right people, right? Sometimes you have to blame the right people. Uh, but speaking of Biden's cognitive issues, um, this thing happened today with Poland being bombed, right? And they're not sure if Russia did it. Now, the initial reports were Russia did it because we we have to we have to gin up as much Putin hatred as possible. But even the even the president of Poland said they can't confirm that it came from Russia. And Biden originally said to a reporter that the trajectory of the bomb, you, they can't say it came from Russia. It probably didn't. But he was at some weird table today, and he was, and he was with, with Trudeau and, and uh, Macron and other world leaders, and they had. I was actually watching Hannity. You know, I was watching uh, Tucker Carlson, um, and uh, Will Kane was filling in, and they were talking about um they, they were talking about an issue and they cut out and they went to this thing uh no no it was i get all my i get all my fox hosts mixed up i want to get this right jesse waters was talking to a guy who was talking about the the paul de pape thing with with pelosi and the reporter by the way we'll talk about that in a minute who was fired the nbc reporter not fired suspended he's been there 15 years all right, a real professional journalist, and he was suspended because they pulled his story, which said that Pelosi had had moved away from the police and had gone towards his attacker, okay, and did not ask for help. Remember, that story came out, and they pulled it, and they said, oh, it was bad journalism, or it wasn't the quality of journalism we expect here, whatever it may be. And now that reporter's been suspended. Talk about that in a second. But they cut out of that interview to go to Biden, and there was a, a big press corps, was asking him about the, the bombing. And the question was, can you tell us what you know so far about the explosion in Poland, sir? And all Biden said was, no, it was the most bizarre, surreal thing I've ever seen in my life. It really it was very bizarre. All of a sudden, I mean, all these reporters are yelling and screaming and chatting, and one says, can you tell us what you know about the explosion in Poland? And Biden says, no. And then the press corps is just kicked out. So, unfortunately, Jesse Waters left this great interview he was having with someone who was talking about the Paul Pelosi case and that reporter being fired to go to this mess, which was nothing. It was so bizarre. It was so surreal. I mean, Biden looked confused 
Like he didn't know where he was. Why would why did they allow reporters and cameras into this room to ask him this question only so we could say no and they can kick the reporters out? And earlier he has said that the trajectory had made it look like it didn't come from Russia. Now he says he had no, he has nothing to talk about. It makes absolutely no sense. Once again, we are talking about a guy with major, major cognitive issues, major cognitive issues. <sighs> Who's, uh, who says he's going to run for re-election, right? I want you to fast forward. Uh, Trump says something else tonight that made a lot of sense. He said 2024 will be here faster than we expect. And, he, and he's right. The two years will go by very fast. I want you to look, think about debates. Think about the debates. Not the primary debates, the general election debates. So think about a stage. Think about the stage now. There'll be three debates, as, as always. Think about the stage and put Newsom and Trump on that stage together, okay? Just the optics, the optics alone of Newsom and Trump. Who do you think has the advantage? Now put Newsom and DeSantis. Changes, doesn't it? Now put Biden and DeSantis on that stage. It changes, doesn't it? So if you're just looking at optics and thinking ahead in the future of what people are going to be looking at, okay, for the entire general election, I, I, I really have, I have worries that Trump would have any chance at all against Gavin Newsom. Now, if it came down to Biden, because obviously if Biden decides he's going to run again, which I still can't believe is going to happen, but let's say it happened. I didn't think Trump was going to run again, so so far I'm wrong on that end. So we'll see. I don't think Biden's going to run again, but if he does, there'll be no primary. No one's going to primary the president. Trust me. No one's going to primary the sitting president. And uh, so Biden is in, right? He advances to the general election. Then you have to make your decision on the Republican side. All right? If it's DeSantis, I don't see Biden having a chance. I truly don't. I don't see Biden having a chance in hell. If it's Trump, he's got a good chance. He, he already beat him once. All right? He already beat him once. And Trump's candidates lost. Two out of every three lost. A week ago. So the Democrats will play the same game, right? The same game. MAGA, MAGA, MUGA, MAGA King, MAG. And now, and now it's the real guy, right? Now it's the actual guy. It's not just his candidates who are younger and better looking and not him. It's him, right? It's not Carrie Lake anymore, right? It, it, it's not Tudor Dixon. It's not these good looking young women who also lost. It's him. It's this 80 year old fat guy. Who is the MAGA king? Uh, I don't. I don't see it going well. I really don't go. I don't see it going well. I don't. So, if we're looking to general election, it's always the important thing, not primary. The general election. I can't see how Donald Trump is going to win again. I really don't. So, um, but look, there'll be plenty of time to talk about this, right? There'll be plenty of time to talk about this. I don't expect anybody else. Once again, I could be wrong. I don't expect anybody else to get in until next year. I don't think anybody will announce until January, February, March. It'll just be Trump until then. Um, and he'll hold his rally. I mean, that's what he wants to do. He wants to hold his rallies and, you know, gin up the energy again and the excitement. They really try to um, 
discourage anybody from running against him. But I don't think it's going to work. I think you'll see a field of six, seven, eight. You know, I just listened to uh, Sean Hannity's interview with uh, with with um, Mike Pence, and it would be an interesting dynamic if you have DeSantis and Trump running and Pence. Let's say, let's say those are the top three. There'll be others. Let's say those are obviously the big names, the top three. And you have two guys who are very forceful in the way they speak, right? I mean, DeSantis isn't as belligerent or loudmouthed as, as, as Donald Trump, but they're both pretty loud, right? They're both pretty forceful in the way they speak. Then you have a guy like Pence, who's very, you know, Pence to me, I never really thought about him this way before, but Pence to me reminds me of a Reagan type guy. In other words, very calm. We're all going to work together. There are good times ahead. A comforter, right? This comforter guy who has a very, very calm Indiana way about him. And he's, you know, there's, there's nothing belligerent about him. He doesn't get overly excitable. He's not overly excitable. He's even keel. I just wonder about him sneaking in. You know, when you have these two big, powerful guys going at it together. And then you have a Mike Pence who will maybe remind a lot of people of Ronald Reagan at a time when people want to bring the, they want to bring the anxiety down, right? They want to bring it all down. They want to bring this hyper tense election stuff down. You know, Pence might have that angle. I thought about that just watching his interview with Sean Hannity, that he could sneak in as kind of a, you know, He's got a name. He was the vice president. He's got a following. The establishment Republicans like him. And he might be that calming voice. He might be that calming voice. So I think you have to watch out for Mike Pence. I don't think you can assume because he's, you know, boring Mike Pence that he has no shot. I, I really think he might. I really think he might. So <clears throat> I, I have uh, Democrat friends who don't like Mike Pence who say to me, you know what? If Mike Pence was elected president, I would... Sleep. I would still sleep well at night. I wouldn't think Mike Pence is going to do anything crazy. That's the whole thing. I, I don't think they say I don't think Mike Pence. Mike Pence would do anything crazy, like you know who. So you have to think about Mike Pence. I really do. I, I think, and I think he's going to run. I mean, Sean was talking about it with him, and he said he's considering it, and I think he will. And it would be a very entertaining primary if you have, you know, DeSantis. Running against Trump, those two big egos from Florida, and then you have, you know, Mike Pence, who was Trump's vice president for four years. It could be a very interesting. It could be a very interesting Republican primary. It really could. Um, but yeah, just to, I guess to end on on what uh, on what Trump said tonight, it, I, I think obviously his whole idea is going to be go back to my to to the way it was when I was president. But there's, there's positives and negatives that come along with that. The positives being he's right on the issues of the economy and, and you know, peace in the world and all that stuff. He has it. He has the advantage over Biden, the, the border, immigration. But, but, or he doesn't have it over Biden, which is not good if you go back to his time, was all the anxiety that people felt because of his loud mouth. All right? because of his personality, because every day he would say something that would give, give people anxiety. Every day he'd be in the news. Every day there'd be some other drama. That is something people don't want to go. He won't talk about that stuff, but his opponents will. The Democrats will. That is an incredible amount of baggage that he has. The January 6th stuff, 
the, the, the Mar-a-Lago thing now, it, it's, it's a lot of baggage that other candidates on both sides don't have to bring to the table. So, you know, I just think that that's something to consider. The Republicans taking the House. Well, it's official now. Kevin Kiley won 218, another Republican won, so 219 now. They could get to 220, possibly 221. I think Boebert is still winning. She could be 220. There might be another one from California, and that's about it. But they have the House now. So they have the House, right? They have the House, and they have the gavel, and they have the hearings, and they can set the agenda, and they promise there will be hearings on COVID and other things in, starting in January. So I think we need to take that as a real victory. That is a real victory. It really is. And, of course, they can block any of Biden's further inflation uh, increasing agenda. So there'll be a checks and balances now. The Democrats no longer have full control. It's now split. The control is now split. And whether the Republicans had both the House and Senate, just the House, it's the same thing. Control is now split. The House can block basically anything they want. Um, so I think that's, you know, if people have listened to the show for the last year, that was one of my big, big reasons for voting for Republicans was that they would be able to have these hearings on COVID and we'd have accountability and none of this forgiveness and forget. And we're not going to talk about it anymore where they can pretend it didn't happen. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. That, and you know what? The Democrats are making it easy, easy to keep on thinking about it because they won't let COVID go. They won't let COVID go. Luckily, luckily, there's one governor, Democratic governor named Jared Polis, who was just reelected easily in Colorado. I think one of the reasons why he was elected easily is because he ended a lot of that stuff. He did go with it for a while, but he ended a lot of the stuff, the mandates and stuff, before any of his Democratic colleagues, not before Republicans, but before a lot of his Democratic colleagues did, you know, way before Newsom did or Hochul. And Jared Polis said, it's up to the people to take their own precautions. It's a matter of responsibility. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Now, really, as Eli Klein said, that might be the most common sense Democrat politician has ever had with COVID. So he's taking the stance of, and this is interesting, he's coming out now, and we'll see if his Democratic colleagues have to follow now, because they just saw a guy who just won re-election easily in Colorado saying it's got to be they can't, in other words, what he's saying basically is no more mandates. That's it. We can't keep doing this. People can decide for themselves what they want to do and not be forced, not be forced to decide it. So that's a good thing. Okay. That's a very good thing. And my hope is that when you look at the election results, no Democrat, no Republican governor, no incumbent Republican governor lost. Okay. At least one, I have to go through my mind, I just know of one Democratic governor off the top of my head incumbent that lost, and that was Steve Sisolak, to Joe Lombardo in Nevada, and I told you why. Vegas was locked down, the economy was in shambles. Sisolak locked Vegas down for a year, kept those mask mandates going even after, right, the vaccine passports, he had that going on, even past when they reopened, and that destroyed Vegas, and therefore... As Vegas goes, the economy in Nevada goes. And the economy in Nevada, I think, I think inflation was like twice what it is nationally. And they punished him for it. 
they punished him for it. Yet all those Republican governors who didn't lock down were reelected, one by 20 points. Okay? So I think it's actually pretty clear. You know, Democrats will pretend that COVID wasn't an issue. But I believe it was. And I believe that this proves Republicans should have made it more of an issue. I think the Republicans could have done better if they had made the COVID lockdowns and mandates and all this shit more of a, of a uh, you know, a, you know, more of an issue, which they didn't do, and connected those dots we talked about with the bad economy, with COVID and the lockdowns. They never connected the dots for people. And I think they, they missed out with that. I think it was a it was a major, 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 major mistake. Uh, here, here's some uh, presidential Republican primary polls. These are totally flipped, by the way, from what they were before the election. Iowa. Remember, these are the big places now. Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, top to the first three, right? DeSantis, 59, Trump, 34, Iowa. New Hampshire, DeSantis, 59, Trump, 31. Nevada, DeSantis, 53, Trump, 42. So DeSantis has a double-digit lead in all three of those states now. He did not before last Tuesday. So I think people saw, I think people realized that the Trump brand is poison. The Trump brand is poison. Trump will go up in the polls now because he announced he's running. It's just a, a normal thing. He's the only candidate right now on the Republican side. So it'll go up until others get in. But just before Trump announced, those were the numbers. So what this means is Trump is no longer a lock. Okay, Trump is no longer untouchable. And of course, Ron DeSantis has seen these. By the way, Ron DeSantis finally responded today in a very professional way. It wasn't over the top. He said, you're listening, all this, we're hearing all this noise coming. We know where he means. He didn't mention a name. He said, but all you need to do is look at the scoreboard from last week. And that was a great zinger. Two-thirds of Trump's candidates lost. DeSantis won by 20 points. So we're starting to see a little bit of, uh, you know, fight back now from Ron DeSantis, but in a very mild way. You know, nothing too crazy, not calling out Trump's name. But I think that maybe, maybe, maybe that proves DeSantis is actually going to run. Maybe that proves he's going to run. I hope so. I really do. I hope so. Um, I can't say how happy I am that Kevin Kiley won. You know, and my hope was, in fact, I had said earlier today that I hope Kiley wins and he's 218 and he won and he was 218. Uh, it, was, it was by an hour, too, because the... the the, the race that was called after his was 219, but he was the official 218. Remember, Kevin Kiley is the guy who was fighting COVID tyranny. People don't talk about that much. But he was fighting COVID tyranny as a state legislator in California against Newsom's COVID tyranny from day one. He was a total fighter. He didn't stop fighting. He was one of the few voices, okay? He was one of the few voices in California who were coming out against Gavin Newsom's tyranny, his endless, which is still on until March at least, his, his endless state of emergency. So Kevin Kiley has been there from day one. I cannot tell you how happy I am. I can't tell you how happy I am that in a year's time, right, a little over a year's time, he went from getting what, maybe 5 or 6% of the vote against Newsom to, to being in Congress. So that's great. That's a, that's a very good thing. See, there are a lot of positives that really have come out of this election. You know, the Florida win, the, the Republicans taking over Florida, the Republicans making big strides in New York, huge strides in New York, which might even be more of a story than in Florida, right? So and Republicans taking over control of Congress today, they're flipping that. It's a, there were definitely positives. There were definitely positives. 
to take from the from the elections. There's no doubt about it. And I think you'll see in January, when you're seeing Fauci being subpoenaed, when you're seeing all these doctors being subpoenaed, when you're seeing all these politicians being subpoenaed, when they're talking about the origin of the virus and the lockdowns and the policies that hurt and killed people, I think you'll see how big it was that the Republicans won the House. Oh, by the way, I'm going to get to you one second, Daniel. It's um, The story is... Uh, what's his name here? Yeah, this is a story I want to talk about too, which is uh, Miguel, uh, Miguel Amagor. Yeah, Miguel Amagor has been like 15 years at NBC. Did the story? I mean, a very professional journalist who's had no issues before this at all. It's very odd. First of all, we see journalists getting things wrong all the time, but it's okay, I guess, if you get things wrong when you're talking about Donald Trump, right? Russia, Russia. Were any journalists suspended for Russia, Russia, Russia? Were any journalists suspended for? Were any journalists suspended for 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 uh, for sitting on the Hunter Biden story? No. Now this guy does a report about Pelosi, where there could be a little curveball thrown in that you know Paul was acting weird, and he gets suspended. They they delete the story and they suspend him. Why? Because a journalist finally did investigative journalism, finally did his job. And what did they do? They got a call from the DNC. They got a call from Nancy Pelosi. Is that what happened? Of course, that's what happened. Did they get a call from Hillary Clinton? But the guy is suspended for it. This is very fishy. Once again, this makes me not believe a thing about that Paul Pelosi story, especially the way the Democrats were able to use that to maybe, maybe keep control of the Senate and not get beat so hard in the House. And it happens 11 days before NBC does this story contradicting the Pelosi, uh, you know, the, the, the general narrative and a guy gets suspended. This doesn't make any sense. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. And it reeks, it reeks of the kind of government interference from the Democrats that we saw during COVID on Twitter, censoring people, deleting people, stifling dissent. The stinks of that. We'll talk more about that in a second. But Daniel, what's up? Are you going to tell me I eat? Hey. <laughs> yeah. um, what are you doing in New York anyway? What? What are you doing on the East Coast in New York? No, no, Florida. I'm going. I'm going oh, to the Florida. I'm going to the Fox NYC. News. I'm going to the Fox the Fox Patriot Awards on Thursday night oh, in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Hey, where, where, where are you? Who are you seeing? Uh, what networks are you seeing calling the uh, the race for the? the I house? know, I know. You're looking at the usual networks, and it hasn't happened. But it's called yeah. Decision Desk. Decision Desk is the one that is it's an independent agency, and they're the ones who 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 officially call things. And all the other networks follow suit. Usually, ah. yeah. So Decision okay. Desk called it, and now you're seeing. That's why you're seeing, you know, Trump congratulating Kylie, and you're seeing Fox News saying that they've won it. So Decision Desk has officially called it. When you look at the Associated Press, they haven't officially called it yet, but the Associated Press always follows Decision Desk by hours or days. So by tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be all. But it wasn't just 218, it's 219 now. Two of those California oh. races were called today in favor awesome. of the Republican. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, and like you, I am so happy that Kevin Kiley, who has been such a courageous voice for for reason um, and for uh, empathy and for science um, uh, won this race. It it just makes me very, very happy. Oh, yeah, because, you know, he was the fighter all the way. He was fighting Newsom all the way through, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He seems seems like a guy um, with a lot of integrity. And um, I hope uh, I'm really hoping to to, um, hear more from him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, are you excited Trump is running? No. <laughs> no, but but but, there, but I'm just trying to think of, uh, you know, he is announcing awfully early, so I'm just wondering if there's a, a method to the madness that um, – in, in continuing the Trump derangement syndrome and whether that could potentially get the Democrats in a lot of trouble when Trump r- withdraws in a year's time. <laughs> well, you and I know this is going to exacerbate Trump. TDS is going to go through the roof now, isn't it? Again, I mean, well, it's really... given that the election's over, I think that's probably going to die down for a while. Yeah, but he's running. He's going to start, you know, he's going to start holding rallies probably tomorrow. I mean, this is going to be, and the network's, Someone complained that CNN, after calling, you know, CNN, all this, you know, anti-MAGA stuff and how much they hate Trump and he's evil and he's the end of democracy, they covered his whole speech. So people are saying, why is CNN? Co-? Because you know why? CNN's very happy. You know why they're happy. The ratings will come back now. The ratings, Trump brings ratings, period. <clears throat> Trump brings ratings. So anytime Trump does anything, whether he farts, holds a rally, says something, with the, you know, they're going to cover it. They're going to start covering it right away. So they know that. They want to get as much, let's put it this way, they want to get as much coverage out of him as, as possible before he drops out, right, before he loses. So this is going to be, I think the Democrats are going to go crazy again. Yeah, I think I, is, I, it's, it's hard to predict at this point. It's this is really triggering. It's triggering for a lot of liberals. That's for well, sure. Well, well it, well, it is, but they get more they get more hyped up and easily triggered around elections. So uh, I'm not sure how this is going to play out, but um, yeah, we, we we will see. But DeSantis, I hope I hope he runs. I, he's the far better candidate. Um, and we, we, we'll see. I mean, um, there's there there's there's a lot that can happen between and now and, and two years from now. Um, um, the last thing I wanted to, to, to say was um, you, you handled that Jerry guy perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, and Jerry's uh, funny. That's funny. That's funny. I, I, you know, you know, you've made it when you start getting calls like that. That's why I liked it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, the first yeah. call I've had like that. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever his you know motivation, if he's if he's got troll psychology going on, troll pathology going on, or whatever, whatever his motivation was, you just it, it was. The, the, your response was perfect because it was just um, uh, demonstrating that you're a professional, and uh, and he didn't get a, and he didn't get a rise out of you. So, poor, no. poor troll. That guy doesn't get a rise. <laughs> oh, is, is it, it true I, that I you like chocolate cake? <laughs> yeah, yeah, chocolate cake. It doesn't really count, right? We do love chocolate cake, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there, there are certain chocolate cakes we don't like. <laughs> there are chocolate cakes we don't like, and that would be one of them. But uh, no, it's funny because it's um, I don't, you know, sometimes you wonder is like, what do you, what, what, what do I say that inspires someone to get to, to be a troll? Like maybe the guy just trolls everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's probably uh, um, um, scouting out all of call and, and yeah, exactly. Hey, you and I should celebrate. I think I sent it to you. You know, David Sachs has recognized me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the guy who runs call in actually yeah, like yeah. David and David. Yeah. I know you're listening. <laughs> Maybe that was David. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> could be. He is test- yeah. yeah, he's testing the waters. He's testing the waters on your professionalism here. And you passed yeah. the flying colors, bud. 
exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's really funny. But it's um, I think I mentioned. Did you? Do you are listening? I mentioned yesterday that you, we've talked about this before. When I'm in San Francisco, I noticed a lot of people wearing masks are Asians. I'd say maybe eighty percent of people wearing masks are Asians. But out here on the East Coast, most people wearing masks are are African American or black, and I I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. I'm trying to, like I said, I've tried to figure it out maybe because the, the evil people at the beginning were saying that black people were getting it. Remember they were saying that, right? They were saying blacks were more, they said that at the beginning, right? That blacks are more likely to die from it. And then they just shut up about that. But at the beginning, they were definitely saying that. They were saying that African-Americans are dying at a higher rate than Caucasians and uh, for some reason. And I think that might've stuck in the head of a lot of black people. That, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, things things changed um, over over the last few years. I remember for like the maybe the first two years um, that the Hispanic population in Richmond. I used to live in Richmond, and it, you know, uh, I lived in the right on the uh, marina area. And if you wandered about a half mile north, you get into a deeply Hispanic part of town. And uh, they were just they weren't as as the Caucasian part of town was just hyper masked up the um, Hispanic part of town wasn't. And they were uh, in where in the Hispanic part of town, they were putting up the uh, yellow caution tape around uh, playgrounds and paddle locking soccer fields. The Hispanic population was taking down the tape and cutting the locks. Um, so, so, but about a year ago, it changed. And, and the Hispanic population started wearing masks as frequently as Caucasians. And it was it was strange phenomenon. I don't understand that they're really uh, um, resistant and rebellious at first and saying, you know, you're not going to take away our fun from us. You're not going to take away what, what, what makes life meaningful to us. And then they caved. It was really, really a bizarre thing to see. It was very bizarre. And the whole thing is and now we're getting reports out of Japan and China that cases are going back up again. And of course, the mask nut jobs, they're so stuck in their narrative. They can't think for one second. They talk about a culture, two, two countries where they never stop wearing masks. In China, they've always worn masks, and yet the COVID comes back. So how's the COVID cases coming back if the, if the masks are so, these protective magical devices? How are they coming back in Asian countries when they've never stopped wearing masks? Well, they, people, they don't know how to say the, the appropriate incantation when they're wearing their talismans. Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's yeah. like for, for one second, just think. But they don't want to think because if they thought, then they'd know their thinking is wrong, right? So they don't want to go there. They don't want to go there. So they'll, they'll keep with their magical, what we call magical thinking, right? It's kind of magical thinking is what yeah. it is. Yeah, it's um, schizoid personality disorder is what you call that magical thinking. And it seems to be very prevalent um, throughout um, all, <clears throat> through all racial groups and, and socioeconomic groups. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's more about character. It's more about personality and mm. erotic traits. It's, right. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, like I said, we've been in a, uh, a, a gigantic um, psychology experiment in which all of our characters have been tested over the last three years. And so many of our fellow human beings, and not just fellow Americans, have, have failed the test. Yeah, they certainly have. There's, there's, no, yeah. there's no, no doubt about it, you know. And once again, but I am glad to see that Democrat, Coppolis from Colorado, saying that, mandates aren't going to happen anymore so that's good yeah that, that's, a little late to the party there but um no he's late to the party like i said yeah. very few people ron DeSantis is one of the very few people or politicians had foresight you know it was not just all about hindsight but it's very important now i think that you have a democrat who was easily reelected, saying that we can't have mandates anymore 
yeah, I think that's I think that's a very important first step as far as maybe moving forward in this, you know, uh, a little bit. But, you know, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. you, you have a good night, Mike. Daniel, thanks for calling. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. News Patriot Awards on Friday on, on Thursday night. Thursday night is the Fox News Patriot Awards, which I believe you can see on Fox Nation. And um, yeah, hopefully meeting some people. I don't know how easy it's going to be, but uh, I might have to buy Brian Kilmeade's book to meet him. But I'd I like to meet some people, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be packed. But it's really going to see – it'll be interesting what the, dy- dy- the dynamic is of the people there, right? Because you're in Florida, the state of DeSantis, yet also the state of Trump, right? He made his, his uh, announcement from Mar-a-Lago. And now you, this will be two days after Trump announces. So it'll be interesting to see – what the dynamic is. In fact, I, I, maybe I'll do my own, you know, unscientific poll and see where the people stand there. Where the people go see this, obviously, for Fox News fans, they're all going to be Republicans, they're all going to be conservatives, where maybe some libertarians mixed in, where they stand on the DeSantis, on the DeSantis-Trump deal. I think it'll be probably very, very split, very mixed, you know, we'll, but we'll see. That should be interesting. Uh, here's another thing. The 2024 Texas, this is from Interactive Polls. You can follow them at IA Polls on, uh, IA Polls 2022 on Twitter. Uh, 2024 Texas Republican primary poll. October 23rd, so before the election, Trump 46, DeSantis 29. Now, after This is November 12, 13. After the election, DeSantis 43, Trump 32. So what we're seeing is a a basically flipping, which means people are understanding what happened. At least people are buying that narrative, which I believe has a lot of truth to it, which is that Trump's brand is, is, is kind of shaky. You know, and DeSantis' huge win, I think, also combined with those two things, I think has given DeSantis a real a real leg up. Now, of course, Trump tonight also mentioned that, but he didn't mention all of his candidates losing. He mentioned that they didn't do well enough because of this, that, and the other thing, you know, because of the voting process and because of, you know, McConnell and money and this, that, and the other thing. He wouldn't blame himself. He wouldn't blame himself or his candidates. He blamed other things, but we know one of the reasons. You know, I said I was going to read this, and I want to read it. And I'm sorry if people out there aren't into this, but I am. Because I think this is very telling. And I said I was going to read it yesterday before I forget. I want to read this letter that Pete Rose wrote to Rob Manfred. Um, I think this is very important because we talk about accountability, right? We talk about people not being able to admit they're wrong, say they're wrong. um, And that's a flaw, a character flaw. But then we also have people who, when they say they're wrong, or they're sorry. Then you have the people who are like, oh, that's not good enough. See, that's the that's what I want to slap people. And that's why I want to go all Will Smith on people. People say, oh, people need to be able to admit they're wrong. People need to be able to say they did something wrong. They're sorry. Then when they do, they go, well, that doesn't cut it. You know, but, but, what word did I use? Disingenuous. Oh, that's disingenuous. Like, these people are like the arbiters on what's genuine or not when it comes to apologies. But to me, to me, and it was also like this, like the eighth time Pete Rose has done this. To me, this is a very genuine letter to the commissioner from a guy who's 81 years old and really wants to be let back into the baseball world again that he's been shut out of for decades because of gambling. Pete Rose said, I have apologized many times, both for betting on baseball games while managing the Reds and then for denying that I did. 
I am writing today for those reasons, for the three reasons. First, because at my age, I want to be 100% sure that you understand how much I mean it when I say that I'm sorry. Second, to ask for your forgiveness. And third, because I still think every day about what, I, what it would mean to be considered for the Hall of Fame. The two most important people in my life were my dad and my manager, Sparky. That's Sparky Anderson. My dad introduced me to baseball, and Sparky taught me how to play it. Both set an example for me about how to live my life that I sometimes have failed to live up to. I think every day about them. I know I disappointed them, and I hope they'll still be proud of me. What, what helped me, what helped set me down the right path was Commissioner ah, Giamatti. Yeah, it was Giamatti, telling me to reconfigure my life and the belief that they were watching me and I didn't want to disappoint them anymore. Also, I know that I disappointed many Reds fans and baseball fans. Besides spending time with my kids and my partner, there's nothing that made me happier than playing baseball in front of fans. That I let them down and brought shame to the sport we all love is something I think about every single day. It is among my greatest regrets that I let down fans who believed in me and who loved baseball. It is also among my greatest regrets that I let down my teammates and everyone I ever shared a baseball field with. You can't imagine how painful it is when I see my teammates from all the great teams I played on and players I played against go about their lives in ways I wanted to. I want to be part of that too, and I know I probably never will. I'm so grateful for the time I shared with them on and off the field. Nothing replaces it. People think you move on after you leave the game. You do in many ways, but the most important parts of baseball should grow even stronger. I screwed that up. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Despite my many mistakes, I am so proud of what I accomplished as a baseball player. I am the hit king and it is my dream to be considered for the Hall of Fame. Like all of us, I believe in accountability. I am 81 years old now, and I know that I have been held accountable and that I hold myself accountable. I write to ask for another chance. Pete Rose. So to me, that is very genuine. And he brings up the fact that he's been shut out of this baseball world. It's not just the Hall of Fame. Like I said yesterday, it's the world of being able to participate. And I, 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 I recounted my, my uh, experience of seeing Pete Rose in Las Vegas at this cheesy shop. At this cheesy shop having to sign baseballs and jerseys in order to make a buck. Something he would not have to do if he was able to do all these other things that his colleagues can do, like give speeches, like go to events, you know, all this kind of stuff that all these retired, old, famous, successful ball players do, Pete Rose is not allowed. He's not do anything baseball-related. Everything he does has to be on his own, like signing autographs at a cheesy hotel in Vegas in order to make some money. And I'm sure, like I said, Pete Rose would rather not have to ask people for money to you know, get autographs, but that's the way he has to make his money. He didn't make the kind of money that players like Aaron Judge are making. Okay, so he's, he was shut out of that whole world. So you look at that kind of punishment, and I don't think we see that punishment in any path of society. I'm sorry, you cannot, you can no longer, you know, <laughs> God, politicians do the most horrible things, right? And no one tells them you can't be politicians anymore. You can't run for office anymore. You can't, you know, you can't have any. Thing to do with policy. There's no such thing. You can't do it. But the commissioner of baseball, for some reason, had the power to do that and, and banned him for life for any baseball-related event. And that was wrong. It was wrong. It was, it was unjust punishment. It was too harsh for the crime. The crime where now, over the last few years, baseball talks about betting all the time. Every time I turn on a pregame show, it's the line is minus 120 plus. They encourage betting, Okay. 
DraftKings, it's all about betting now because baseball realized that's how they can make money, advertising sports betting, because sports betting has become very big online. So baseball has tapped into that. So they're making the same money off of what Pete Rose did, gambling. It's time to stop the hypocrisy. It's time to bring Pete Rose back. It's time to allow him to be part of baseball again. And it's time to allow him to be elected to the Hall of Fame if the writers deem he's worthy of that. And they should, of course. There are people in the Hall of Fame with statistics that were much, much lower below where Pete Rose was. So that's the way I feel about that. I don't expect Rob Manfred to do it because Rob Manfred is an idiot. He's a moron. He's killing the game. He's killing the game of baseball. So I don't expect him to respond the way he should. But I think um, Pete Rose is genuine, and I think it's certainly 81 years old. He should be allowed back into the Hall of Fame. Uh, John Ziegler, moving along to a different issue, going back to Donald Trump, Mediaite wrote, and we're not sure if this is true or not. I don't think the sources are there yet, but Mediaite did write that Ru- uh, uh, Murdoch's son, Rupert Murdoch's son, Lachlan Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch, the chairman of Fox News parent company, Fox Corporation, reportedly told Florida Governor Ron DeSantis he has the support of the empire. I'd like that to be true. As, Ron, as, as John Ziegler said, never blindly believe anything you want to be true, but I'd like it to be true. You know, who knows? What does that mean, the support of the empire? What does that mean? I mean, tonight during the speech, on Sean Hannity's show, they were totally kissing Trump's ass. So I don't know if that's true or not, that he has the support of the empire. And Fox News is known. They really don't tell, unlike other networks, who fire, who suspend people for running journalism, real journalistic stories with, you know, that are, you know, have been investigated and investigative journalism has been put into it. Fox News usually doesn't tell their people what to say. So I think on Fox, you're going to have a split of people. You have Sean Hannity, who's his friend, who's Trump's friend. They, they, they spoke every night, you know, when he was president. He's obviously going to support Trump. You have Laura Ingram, who does not like Trump and is a friend of Ron DeSantis. She's going to be supporting Ron DeSantis. So you're going to see these split coalitions, just like you'll see the split coalitions around the country, you know? Um, and I think it's just going to have to work its way out through a, through a primary system through a primary system. Um, you know, as much as I talk about how I don't want Trump to be president, how I'm a DeSantis guy, I'll tell you that if it comes down to Trump and Biden, I'm voting for Trump. If it comes down to Trump and Newsom, I'm voting for Trump twice. No, just once. But uh, I'll make sure my ballot's harvested and it gets in there. But it's, uh, it, there's no doubt about that. I won't make the same mistake I did in 2020 and vote for a, a Green Party candidate. And I'm not going to do that anymore. So it, there's no doubt about it. I'm certainly hoping that Trump is not the nominee. Because you know what? I don't want to vote for him. I don't think he'll win. So that's where I stand on that. Um, let's see what else I wanted to talk about. Uh, once again, this show is going to air this week and probably next Monday as well uh, at a different time. It usually airs three hours later. It usually airs 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. I'm doing the show at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern because I'm on the East Coast and I'm going to this event uh, in Hollywood, Florida, on Thursday night, the Fox News Patriot Awards. So the show will be just airing at a different time, just for a short while. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, once again, I, I guess I should talk a little bit about the Ukraine thing today. You know, so I think I've made it clear in the past, I haven't talked about it in a while. 
I'm not for sending all this money to the Ukraine. Zelensky's become a a um, uh, this this hero, this martyr, this very wealthy guy, a multimillionaire, um, in taking a stand against the horrible Russians and Vladimir Putin. And of course, there's a lot of dynamics of that Russia-Ukraine thing, which the U.S. media doesn't talk about, which is the fact that you know we know that they've had battles for a long time, and Ukraine's been bombing you know, Eastern Ukraine, the Donbas, because they're with Russia and all this nonsense. And so there's a lot going on dynamic-wise that we don't know about, you know, and I don't think we should be getting involved in sending them all this money, constant money, money, money. We shouldn't be escalating this thing. We don't want to become World War III. I don't think it will, but we don't want to escalate into more than it has to be. So, and I don't necessarily trust Zelensky. I don't like the whole black and white nonsense of one guy is evil and one guy is an angel. I don't, I don't believe in that. I think it's bullshit. There's no common sense to it. There's no intelligence to it. Nothing. Okay. So I think it's bullshit. You cannot say that. And so that's what the American media likes to do, right? There's, there's good and there's evil. That's it. It's good and evil. There's no in between. There's no shades of gray, black and white, which is total bullshit. So I think I've made myself pretty clear on this. Um, but now there were reports that Russia bombed Poland. And if you look at the map, it's like the border. You know what I mean? It's like extreme eastern Poland, western Ukraine. You know, so what it looked to me, before any expert talked about it, when I saw the map, I said, oh, shit, it was a mistake. They overshot it by a few miles. And that's what happened. So, but there's still even question that the, the bomb came from Russia. So if it didn't, if the bomb wasn't from Russia, where was it from? Did the Ukraine bomb Poland? Did the Ukraine bomb themselves? What? I don't understand that. But I think even if it did come from Russia, I think it was a mistake. And they just overshot the border by a few miles and it hit. So, but two people were killed. So it, 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 um, it's a problem. But I think that once again, for, to play it up, and this is my problem with Zelensky. Right away before knowing any facts, whether the bomb even came from Russia, whether it was intended or not, anything, he says action must be taken. Zelensky has really been calling, I believe, for World War III all along. Okay? He's been call- he, Zelensky has wanted us to get involved, right? Boots on the ground, you know, weapons. He wants, you know, he wants NATO to get involved. So Zelensky has really been jonesing to escalate this into like a nuclear war for a very long time now. So one has to question his mental state, right? One has to question his mental stability when he is obviously jonesing for this since day one. Um, so that's the problem right there with Zelensky. And he's all the other stuff, modeling with his wife. And it's, it's, to me, that's all bullshit. It's almost like a movie. It's like a movie script, right? It's like a movie script about this fake leader, you know, who wants to become a celebrity. It, it just leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. In the middle, of, the middle of your country being bombed and destroyed, and you're claiming everyone needs to get involved to save your country, you're doing a photo shoot for Glamour or Vogue, whatever it is. So all that doesn't <laughs> doesn't pass the sniff test with me. Like the Pelosi story doesn't doesn't pass the sniff test anymore. So um, that's my take on it. I mean, it, you have to take, you have to know the the evidence first. You have to know the information before you act on something. And right now it's very foggy. It's very foggy. So to, to, 
to even talk about getting involved more or escalating this is totally irresponsible. And whether it's Zelensky or Democrats in this country or Republicans and neocons in this country talking about kind of escalation, it's totally, totally irresponsible. And, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what, what happens from this. But my, my, my guess is nothing will happen from this. That it was either not Russia's missiles or it was a simple mistake in, in, in guidance. Because Russia would not be. Putin's not stupid. He's not dumb enough to bomb Poland. And he's not going to bomb Poland. Okay, he knows what that would create, right? What is it called? Articles, we're in Article 4, then you go into Article 5, and all this article stuff. I'm not even sure what it really means. I think 4 means, like, we have to uh, take it seriously, but 5 means it's all-out war or something like that. You know, so this is all military talk. I don't know. But uh, the fact of the matter is we need to all take a deep breath and, and calm down and realize that we don't know all the facts, and I think even when the facts come out, we'll see that it was not uh, an intentional thing. And it's one of those things where they call it the fog of war, you know, the, the collateral damage of war, which is why we shouldn't be involved in this stuff to begin with. Uh, is this Maria? Is that your name? Yeah, Maria, how are you? Well, I think I'm doing all right. How are you tonight, Mike? All right, not bad. Pretty good. Hanging in there. What's up? I, I'm just, I'm just listening to you. I, I think, I think it just, in alignment with you, it doesn't pass a reasonable person test that Russia would have anything to do deliberately with bombing a NATO country. No, of course not. Or, I mean. Yeah, there, there, it just doesn't pass the reasonable person test. But on any level, I mean, we can understand some things about the invasion in the first place. It, it's it's not okay, but for, you know, to call it, you know, unprovoked is just the most ridiculous thing imaginable. Uh but, you know, the U.S. media and what they report and their, you know, knee-jerk reactionary tendencies is dangerous. That is globally dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and where, where, where is the test? Where is the test for that for, you know, the media presenting things that it, this really hasn't passed the reasonable person test. And Maria, when it comes to this kind of an issue, that is, uh, there are equal offenders on the right media and the left media. They all do it. They, I know. All, they all automatically rush to judgment and say, oh, Russia bombed Poland, World War Three." you know? So. If, if you're paying attention, you know, you, you don't bother with corporate media. Uh, every, every, once in a while, I'll just check in to see what the clickbait of the day is. And, you know, I saw this one just looking at the headline. I wasn't clicking on that. I wasn't giving them the satisfaction that it got another click link from me. <laughs> right. right. I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not doing it because I know I know what's involved in them posting things like that. You know, it, 
corporate media is no longer news. It's 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 just something seeking ratings and things to provoke and create drama and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's it. That's 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 the problem though. When the media and we see this often, too often. But when something like this is more dangerous, well, it was dangerous during COVID also. But when the media starts getting all this hysterical over things like this, it drums up an issue, right? Because all this stuff reaches these other countries, right? All the, even our election issues. We have a, I have a friend who's in Israel right now. And he says they are just fascinated in a bad way about our election issues here because they don't understand why they can count votes in one night and we can't. They don't understand why the great America, the United States of America, can't count votes in one night when Israel can, you know, and, and they're fascinated because, by this stuff. Because votes don't count anymore. According well, they, to the people that lose, votes don't count anymore. Well, it's, it's because our – look, you can look at it a couple of ways. And look, there are people who get mad when you deny elections, when you say, oh, this was unfair, not fair. But <laughs> I find it very simple. Count the votes, the way we did it for 250 years, the way every other country does it. You don't hear about the. See, you don't hear about people complaining about the results in in Israel or France or the United Kingdom. You never hear them complaining or saying it was fixed. You know why? Because they count all the votes in one night. There aren't 85,000 well, dumps that take it, three it, weeks. You, you mentioned Iran and Israel, but... I, I don't think you're really including the the thoughts of Palestinians and Kurdish people in that. Yeah, yeah. Is it really a virtue that you can count your votes, you know, instantly or quickly, or are you going to be deliberate and calculating? Uh, I I I don't know. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that you know, any election process and I I find it really unfortunate the challenges to integrity anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's it, it just depends it just depends on who the voters are and who the people that are disenfranchised by systems yeah, I, I think the question is, and it's a legitimate question, is we did it one way for 250 years and people have a lot less complaints about it. There are always complaints, but a lot less complaints about it than, than what happened starting two years ago. So we did it one way for so long is the issue. If we did it this way for 250 years, people would be used to it. Then it would be normal, but it's, it's not normal. And I think that's the problem. People are like, why? why? Why did we did we not have democracy before? Do we all of a sudden have democracy now? So democracy, that's the way democracy, in other words, if you count votes in one night, that's not democracy. But if it takes you three weeks, it's democracy. It doesn't make any sense, really. And I think it's that change that happened. That is, is, you know, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm really not. But I think what you're saying is not taking into consideration the whole thing about hanging chads (laughs) and 8,000. I mean, there. There are fiascos on record uh, that that defy, you know, 
the standard of process. Yeah, there, there were there were problems here and there, but it wasn't a regular thing that it's becoming now, where the what? where the president has to come out and say, "Well, might take a few weeks, get used to it." You know, that's we didn't have that before. And look what Florida did. That hanging Chad thing was a disaster. They fixed their elections, and now a state of twenty-one million people can count their votes in one night. They figured out what the problem was, the Chads, get rid of the Chad system, and they did. So we have to find a way. Now we're electing people on election councils that can overrule popular votes. So it's another added layer to electoral college compromises on the popular vote. So I, I, I find it a little bit disingenuous not to keep these things in mind when you're talking about vote counts. Yeah, and I, I think another issue is the idea of, like in Arizona, where you have a secretary of state who runs the elections running, and they don't recuse themselves. And then you have all the, on top of that, you have all these issues with the election process, you see. So it does, once again, and it, it, Dobbs can be the most legitimate, straightforward, straight shooter, fair person in the world. But the fact of the matter is that it doesn't make people feel that it's a fair process when something like that happens. So why not just do something like recuse yourself, recuse yourself, have someone else run the process? What's his motivation for doing that? Why would he do that? Why would, why did, why what? Why, why would somebody recuse themselves from a position where they have control and power? That's not their nature. Yeah, but then you're going to have all the stuff that comes along with it and you can't complain about it. Then you have all these people believing you're not the rightful winner and that's going to hang with you forever. And that's your problem. That's your doing. In other words, just to get rid of the possibility of people thinking there's impropriety, just say, okay, I'm not going to get involved. Judges do it all the time, right? Judges do it all the time when there's a conflict of interest. They say, I'm just going to recuse myself so there's no, even though I'm a very fair person, I know I can do it, just so there's no, you know, uh, perception of wrongdoing, I'm going to step away, and that's what she should. Have, that's what she should have done. She well, should have judges done. have far more integrity, generally speaking. Than that's true. Like no, than politicians. Yeah, that's unfortunately you're right. Yeah, of course. No, there's no, there's, but people will think that the reason why you're not going to recuse yourself is so you can fix it. I mean, that's what they're going to think, right? And, and you can't be mad at people for making that judgment that you didn't recuse yourself, and then there are problems, it takes a week and a half to figure it out, and you win. Wow, look at that. Once again, even if there was no wrongdoing, there's a perception of wrongdoing because of A, B, C, and D. And that's the fault of not the people who were were saying the election was fixed. It's the fault of the people running the election, okay? It's their fault that people think that. And we have to get to a point in this country, simply put, where people can trust the election process again. Otherwise, we're going to have what is perceived to be illegitimate leaders, illegitimate winners, which is okay. like what happens in a banana republic with dictators. Right? Oh, okay, you, you can make that statement, but what's? But I don't think it's fair to make that statement without expressing what you think the path, a reasonable pathway to do that is, because I don't see one right now. But we did it for 250 years. Why can't we just do it the way we did it in 2018? The last time elections, no one, no one questioned. Once again, in 2016, Hillary 
Because we live in a very different country and a very different system now. Well, no, because the Democrats did it because of COVID, they claimed. They, they put this labyrinthian mail-in ballot system in because in 2020 they said people were afraid to go to polling places. So they were going to have this mail-in ballot system so people could do it from home the way they were working from home temporarily during COVID. But they said that was going to be a temporary 2020 thing, and now it's becoming a permanent forever thing. That's the problem, you see. I think people... Is that a problem, though? Because I live in backwards, backwards Kentucky, (laughs) and my mail-in ballot was the most secure thing imaginable. You had to sign it in very specific, multiple places. You had to sign the seal of the envelope. I mean, you had to be so careful. Right. And it's not a very specific way. Right. If if that's the standard in Kentucky, what in the world is wrong with the mail-in ballot and updating our system to accommodate more access? Uh, but when you say, well, I'll do, do two different parts to that. The first part is the, the issue isn't necessarily the fact that you can mail in your ballot. The issue is the problem of the counting. Okay, and the labyrinthian method and how long it takes to count them. Now, I I came up with a solution to that, which was just counting them as they come in. Of course, you would need a secure system where you don't have leakers like you had in the Supreme Court, right? Leaking the the, the totals ahead of time. But you could do that. One of the problems right now is they wait. And there are problems like in Pennsylvania where you can have a, a ballot that's postmarked on election night that arrives four days later. Don't you see? So that's an issue. Because then ballots are coming in five, six, seven days after, business days after the election, and they have to count them. Then they have to wait to then to count them if, if, if there's enough there that can change the election. And this is just problematic. So you can streamline this, right? You can streamline it. You can count them as they come in. You could say they have to be in our hands by election night. Just the way you'd have to vote by election night by the time the polls close. I don't think it's so crazy to say those ballots need to be in the hands of the election officials by 8 p.m. on election night, that we're not going to wait five days later for more ballots to come in. Here's the fact of the matter. I don't think it's nutty to, for... Let me, let, me, let me tell you the problem, Maria, why we do this in this country and not other countries. Because in other countries, people take voting seriously. In other countries, you don't get 25, 30% voter turnout. In Brazil, it's mandatory. You get fined. If you don't, Brazil has a much lower population than the United States, but they have the, about the same amount of votes each time as the United States because it's mandatory. People have to vote. So the voting population is the same there as here. And they count everything in one night. The problem here is people don't take voting seriously. OK, people don't take it seriously where they'll go in one day and vote. Right. One day. Take it seriously. Get out there one day a year or one day every other year. If you're only going to vote in the important elections. Get out there and vote. But people here don't take it seriously. That's too much of a generalization. And we don't have... But it's not because the numbers are there. Because if you look at other countries... Employers are not required to let people off, you know... Then make it a a federal holiday. Make election day. Exactly, exactly. But I I think... I, I understand the points you're making. But there are just a lot of obstruction elements to it that I don't think you're taking into consideration or at least not currently I I, in our, I, I, our discussion and 
I have and never had a problem voting on Election Day. And I can't see why anyone would have a problem voting on Election Day, especially especially if they didn't have to work that day. You're, you're speaking from your own personal experience, though. How? No, because it's not that hard. Because it's just simply not a hard thing to do. It's not. That, that's... It's that's, not a hard thing to do. Maria. That's unfair. I know I don't live in a suburban you're area. Serving, you're no. so serving overseas. No, no, but the, no, 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 Maria, there's always been exceptions for those things. And even people who believe it should be one night and even there shouldn't be all this mail-in ballots, they, of course, they, they always talk about exceptions for disabled people. They always say that absentee ballots have always been allowed uh, overseas people. So there have always been exceptions. But most of the American public who live in this country can get off, off their asses if they are able to, if they're not disabled, and get to a polling place. In most places, the polling places are very close. In many, in most cities, they're with a block or two away. Mine is a half block away. Even in suburban areas and rural areas, they usually have it a church or somewhere that's very close to where the population density is. It's not that hard to go vote. But that, in this country, people never... just don't. People, do, Maria, people in this country, it's not about. It's not about. Not. It's, it's not about bad access. It's about people don't give a shit enough. That's that's always okay. been the problem here. That's that's never going to be a fair generalization to make without a federal standard because the variations from state to state about access to the polls is all over the place. And people have to stay informed and stay in tune with their state laws about when and where and how they can access their vote. And until there's a federal standard, I, I don't see how you can. I like I like the idea of a federal standard. I, I don't think I, I, have no I do, too. But I, I just don't think you can assign individual blame or disinterest. And I know that exists to a high degree. I agree with you, but I don't think you can assign individual voter blame without a federal standard. The biggest you know, issue if, for voters if, if, in the If voting in Kentucky and yeah. my access to my ballot is dramatically different in its timing and where I can go and what I can do than another state, right. that, that's not cool. No, no. I, I, cool. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a federal standard. But once again, I, I think when it comes down to voting, we need people in this country to be less apathetic. I mean, a lot of people are just very apathetic. And if you look at the past with polling places, when people had to go to polling places more than they have to now, the one major problem people had, right, and you know this, if you've watched Election Day coverage, is that the polling places, the lines are too long and they have to go back to work, right? That's the major thing. People have left lines because they have to get back to work because their boss gives them an hour to vote, not five hours to vote. I understand that. So if you make that election day, a federal holiday, then those people don't have to worry about getting back to work anymore. And I think that eliminates a lot of the excuses. And then you could open more polling places. You could have more machines. You can do that to make access easier so these lines aren't so long. But I think there's a way to do it where we can vote in one day the way we did it for so many, well, more than two centuries. I think, oh, I think oh, we can okay, do that. But- yeah. You know, do it in one day, but that require in more places so that people don't have to wait in line. Of course, I just said that, yeah. It's a felony to bring them food or water. Oh, shit. You could could do it two days if you want. If you want to do it over a weekend. Look, what I'm saying is we can come up with common sense. I agree, but 
Yeah. But short, but short of those mandates, mm-hmm. but short of those mandates, it's simply not going to happen. I think those because mandates. But, not, but, but you say it's not going to happen, but things. No, but voting, it. voting changes. I could have, I could have been talking to you ten years ago about everyone getting a mail-in ballot, and people would have said, "No, that's never going to happen. That's not, that's not going to change. Nothing's going to change." But we can change things if we want to. We just proved that in 2020. We could do things a lot differently. Well, you know, which, so. which is it, though, Mike? Do things the way we've done for 250 years or find ways to do it more universally and efficiently? Which is it? Because I, I hear what, you saying two different things. What I can tell you, Maria, is the changes we made were not better. They're worse. <clears throat> They're worse. People don't trust the results anymore. That's a problem. People are, are very frustrated by having to wait weeks a week, a full week. We had, we had to wait a full week to find out who controlled the house. People people are very frustrated over this process. And I think that it's got to be streamlined. It's got to be, in other words, we made it worse. We didn't make it better. So, you know, Mike Cachopoli's way wasn't tried, right? To more polling places, uh, you know, federal holiday or do over the weekend. My way wasn't tried. I don't know my way could work better. But I just know that the, the transition we made in 2020 wasn't a positive transition because people don't believe that the people who were elected deserve to be there, should be there, are there legitimately. And that's a very, very, very bad thing for democracy. But do you really think that was a fault of the process or, you know, the corporate news media spin on everything? Because I, I've, I've well, fought corporate that's... news media way more than the actual process. I guess in a way, but if you listen to like a lot of the left-leaning corporate media, they they are saying that this is a good way. They're saying that this is normal, right? You you hear them on MSNBC and CNN saying this is normal, but it's not normal. It's it's not normal because it wasn't normal till 2020. So it might be the new normal that these leftists that the left wing seems to like to say nowadays, but it's not a good thing. It's not it's not hasn't been it hasn't been the, it's not the real actual normal world that I lived in growing up. So, I think the normal would be just fine if people weren't constantly spinning it and, you know, talking trash about everything and elected, you know, the people that actually go through the electoral process and designated officials. I mean, it, I think the process would be just fine and do really well if we didn't live in an environment where people... We're constantly being paid, you know, to get good ratings on their shows to tell you that something is broken. If the party line that they didn't get, didn't get what they wanted. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with you because, like I said, I think 99% of the media is saying this is fine, you know, that we have patience, that this is a good way to do it. I, I don't see most of the media, the mainstream media, saying there's anything wrong with this. You know, in fact, they're telling us just the opposite. This is fair and right and just and the way it should be. But the fact of the matter is, is that, once again, reality calls. It wasn't this way in this country till 2020, and it's not this way in any other nation in the world. Every other nation in the world. I mean, it's true. There are third world countries that do elections better than we do now. It shouldn't, People in Israel don't understand. People in Europe don't understand why it takes, it takes so long when they can do it in, in, in one night. And I... I we always people did it in Israel don't have to care because the people that are are they they Palestinians don't count. Israelis don't 
don't have to care. I know. Don't but, but don't don't talk. I, I in, in the United States, Maria, I'm not talking about what, the Palestinian-Israeli battle. I understand that. I'm talking about every other country does it in one night. That's what I'm saying. Every, no other country has that, this that, That's not an indication of fairness or legitimacy. Sure it is, because the people in those countries... No, it's not. Yes, it is, Maria. It is. Because, because it per, 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 Maria, Maria, perception is reality. And you don't have the problem with election, quote-unquote, denying or believing your, your leaders are illegitimate in those other countries the way we have here. That, that yep. This is the problem here. The, 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 let's no, put no, this no. Way. no. That's a false equivalency. It's not a false equivalency. Maria, it, it Maria, is. Because Maria, to say that because a vote was counted fully in a certain period of time doesn't have any correlation necessarily with whether or not the people that voted had equal access to the vote. And those are two very different things. And to say that votes were counted in a short period of time has nothing to do with whether or not those votes were accessible to the people that wanted to vote. No, of course. There's, oh, once again, there's always an issue about ballot, about accessibility to well, the ballot, of course, but also accessibility to, to voting. But what I'm saying is people in Europe complain about a lot of things. Okay, they, they're not, They don't sit on their asses like Americans. They get out, they rally, they protest, and we don't see protests. They are very, very... If you talk to most people in Europe and other countries, they don't have issue with the way their elections are done. Okay, all all sides of people, poor people, wealthy people, people on the right, people on the left. You don't see the issues that we have in this country. You don't see the unrest that we have in this country. They they trust their process. Maria, whether it's 100 percent legitimate and trustworthy or fair, doesn't matter. They trust their process. Perception is reality. And they trust their process in those countries. Therefore, they trust those people who are elected and lead them are legitimate, not illegitimate. And that's very important to democracy. We can always talk about each country and the access and voting. But let me tell you, I think Europe has much better access in general, right, than than this country has had. To you don't see those backups in polling places, people waiting on lines for five days. You don't see that in other countries. Oh, yes, that has to be fixed. It's always had to be fixed. But the way they changed it in 2020 was certainly not for the better. It certainly wasn't for the better. If we're going to keep it this way, which I believe we will, we have to figure out a way to do it better. Okay? I, I, I want to leave you with that because I'm going to end the show in a few minutes. But I think we can agree they need to find a way to do this better. Don't you agree? Maria, you there? Uh, well, you put me in a tough position because, you know, it – you know, there are two parts of the process. I, there's there's the vote counting process and there's the access process. Mm -hmm. and they're equally, and I would argue that the access element is far more important than the process element. Well, I'd say most of the countries... Especially <laughs> given the way media spends mm -hmm. the process element when... It's typically pretty legitimate, even if it takes longer, but it gets demonized by corporate media news. Well, I think we can agree that other countries probably have it both, have it, uh, do both things better. They do the access better and they do the counting better. I mean, they do it all better. And no, we, need, you know, we, need to, we need to find a way to do it better here. All I can say is this way is not working because there are too many people that don't, that don't trust it. And that, that's, that's not unfair. 
I, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Maria, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Great conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Have a Just great night. Thanks. You too. Yeah. So, look, we can talk how to do it better. What, what are we going to change? How are we going to change it? But the fact of the matter is this is not working. This is not working. It's just not. And Maria makes a good point. There's always been access issues, you know, especially people living in the more urban, suburban places, rural places, even big cities where there are not enough polling places. They sh- we hear about it all the time, right? They shut down all these polling places and the lines are long and it takes three hours to vote. That can't happen either. It can't take three hours to cast your vote and it can't take three weeks to count the votes. We gotta figure out a better way to do this. And we live in a country where we have all these great tech minds. We got Twitter, we got Google, we got this, we got that, we got Elon Musk, we got Bezos. We have to be able to figure out a way to do this better. We have to. Because I don't think democracy can stand that, right? The Democrats like to scream about democracy in peril if you vote Republican. No, no, democracy is in peril because of the way we vote. Democracy is in peril when people don't believe that the people who were elected are legitimate. They just, it, it's a problem. It's a big problem. And like I said, we are the outlier. When it comes to all the countries in the world, we are the outlier now with the way these elections drag on, the way the vote, the vote counting drags on. They don't have these problems in other countries. They don't have an Arizona. They don't have like, oh, our it, it, machines broke down, see you next week. They don't have that. They don't have that. Machines broke down, see you next week. They certainly never had a problem like those stupid chads, the guy with the glasses looking at the chat. They never had problems like that in Europe. Why do we have problems like that here? You know? Hey, Vlad, what's up? Good to hear you, brother. What's up? So so basically, Trump's coming back then for sure already, right? <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear the big announcement tonight? Where were you? I wasn't. I was out of it. I was at your church last three hours. So what happened really? exactly? Film. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'm a church guy. I, I do believe oh, okay. in God. Look at my sign right there. <laughs> you're a real, you're a real legitimate church guy. You're, you're, you're legit. Um, uh, not the best, not the best example, but you know what? I beat just about any Christian out there right now. How about Mike Pence? You, know, you got to know your theology. How about Mike Pence? Uh, he's, look, he's legitimate. Look, I like Mike Pence, but, but, but no, no, he's legit. But once I saw on him. That uh, Illuminati handshake, that just threw me off. Uh, we gotta, <laughs> we, yeah, all these Freemason handshakes, got to go, brother. Well, yeah, no, we, we, Trump's running. He's in. It started. It started. The new election. The new election has started before this one's ended. Before we, before we know who the The question is, I know you were telling Maria regarding the election and stuff. What is, what is going to be done, though? That this thing, like you were saying, we can't take three weeks. Look, right here we have the mayoral race here in, in LA, LA City, which is beyond my, I'm in the unincorporated area of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County area, and I'm not allowed to vote for the city, obviously. But the thing is, look at that thing still going. They have uh, Bass at 52, Caruso now at 47. That, they should have already called it pretty much. I know. Or, or is it not enough to bring in all those fake ballots from God knows where? Look, is, it, is that how it works? Look, there are problem. There are some. There are some places in this country that are worse than others, right? You're talking about California is one of the worst. You're talking about a mayoral race. It's one friggin' city, man. And a week later, and they still have like all these outstanding ballots. California, some of these congressional races, half the vote is not in yet. A week later, and half the vote is not in yet. 
It, 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 it's wow. just not, I'm sorry, it's not acceptable. It's just not acceptable. I know. And then, you know, you know very well, like I do, that they're churning up their, they got their machines going, churning up more votes where people it's didn't black. vote. You California know. is like Tech Central, Silicon Valley, and they can't count votes in a week? You know, they, they got new technologies with Smartmatic. I've been working that technology the last three years. And, and that, that is, it's still legally called casting a ballot, right? But yeah. you now use a microcontroller as a computer using open source software. And I check all that stuff. So I know, I know it's working. I know it's legit. Nothing is saved and it resets itself for the next uh, voter. The problem with that, even like that, people are still, you know, committing the fraud, sending in uh, mail-in votes. And that is a fact. You know, oh, God, God knows, you know, all these harvesting and all these things that they're doing illegally, uh, things that are not checked. They're overlooked. I, I know because I work the elections. I've been working on, uh, again, with all the new technologies in February 2020 when they rolled it out. It's gotten a little bit better. It's, it's still some quirks and tweaks to be t- taken care of, but it's still, you know, it's better than nothing. Uh, the thing is just to roll it out, it's been a hassle. You know, they have to work on that. And to have this mailing thing ever since the COVID, well, we don't have COVID anymore. What about shutting that down? We used to have a legitimate mail-in ballot for people that are disabled, the old, and people that cannot go, you know? So well, look, that, that's, my issue. that's my issue with the left and their, and their COVID bullshit is everything is temporary till it's permanent, right? Everything is temporary yeah. till it's permanent. And that's, that's the problem. And that's the problem. When, when, when someone says it's temporary in politics, you know it's going to become permanent. So that's Pretty much. They say it's temporary just so people accept it for a short period of time. Because once again, like like with shutdowns, if they said we're doing this for two years, people said would have said go take a walk. But they said yeah. fifteen days, thirty days. People said all right. But of course, it dragged on and dragged on. And the same thing with this in twenty twenty with the elections. If they had said this is we're just doing it, they said we're just doing it for this year because people are afraid to go to polling places. Of course, people never should have been afraid to go to polling places. But they said we'll do it for this year, and people said all right. If they had said this is going to be the process moving forward in this country, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know about that. Of course, of course. I mean, the, the, the Democrats can't win if they don't cheat. That's 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 the way they roll, you know, and that's the, how they hit the people low. Didn't Eric Gardner say when we go high, we go low. Right. This is what he meant. When we, we, they go low and they, this is a low blow undermining. They, they call about they cry about undermining democracy. Well, this is what they do. Undermine democracy. No different than Venezuela. You know, they control the vote, the machines. When it's not convenient, they just destroy all 50,000 machines from, from Dominion or, or Smartmatic, that's, you know. That's a way to do it. <laughs> you know, no different than a communist country. Again, we're not that far from all that. I mean, I hear him here in the, on the call, and I hear all sorts of folks. They, they, they wish if they had the spine to do it, they would, they would overthrow the country, but they don't. They, you know, all these leftists, really, they're, now they're all split up. Oh, well, they were burning people. Now we're no longer Democrat. At the end of the day, they're still voting Democrat. At the end of the day, they're still voting for Beto O'Rourke against uh, against. So, you, uh, so you're you're um I forgot what side you're on. Are you on a side with I'm the a, Republican? I'm on the right. I'm on the right. No, I'm no, on center no, right, but more no, no, more more. But no, I'm still no, on the right. With Trump and DeSantis, you have a side at this point. I I, I favor either or. I just would like to see DeSantis like you did. I'm, not that I would like to leave Trump. But I did agree with you last time, in all fairness, that I would like to see DeSantis raid. The only problem is he doesn't stand a chance if he really goes up against Trump. It's either he works with Trump, but now that Trump's going around hating on him, the, you know, the election night and talking smack, well, I mean, that doesn't look good, you know? It doesn't um, look good. Yeah. But I, I, w- I would really like to see both of them working. 
To me, it's either or. Whoever goes, uh, I'll favor as long as it stays on the right. But both both guys, I like. Uh, I like one because he, you know, older. But even though with his reputation, <laughs> bombastic, caustic, all that, Trump. But I, yeah. I really would like to see young blood like like uh, DeSantis. You know, what he's yeah. done in Florida has been fantastic. I I've learned to respect that man. He's a true Republican. And yeah. um, I would like to see him. I know he could raise the country like never before and go up against Europe and, 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 and you know, put, put the United States on, a, on the world stage with a good look, you know, you know, like what Trump did, but with a different face, with a different attitude, you know. I mean, you have now two alpha males, two alpha males, you know. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that's why I said that, you know, pens can sneak in. Pence can sneak yeah. in there, you know, because you have a, you have a really Reagan-esque type guy going up against these two alpha males, and that could yeah. be a, a good dynamic for Mike. But I maybe, 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 perhaps Mike uh, uh, Pence will be the Ross Perot of our time, you know. <laughs> I don't but know. You know, Pence is, Pence is no spring chicken either. And if we're talking yeah. about the idea of a fresh start, and I think that's very important, you said that, a fresh start, I think we might have to move away from this old guard of Biden, exactly. Biden Trump, Pence, you know, move, yeah. move on. I, I, honestly, Mitch, Mitch McConnell, uh, Turkey Nick Mitch McConnell needs to go. And, and Kevin McCarthy, you know, same thing. The old guard needs to go. We need well, fresh new blood that is... Because it looks like the, the the majority, you know, the Speaker of the House will be McCarthy, and the Senate Minority Leader will be McConnell again, and it's the same old, same old, same old, same. Hey, how long is Schumer going to? How long is Chucky Schumer going to keep that job? Oh man, that guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. They need to put some real limits. They got to put term limits for one, three at the most, and age-wise, nobody after seventy. That's it. Nobody after seventy. Honestly, when when they're when you look at them and they either are drunk and don't you know like Pelosi is not able to answer the the the, the press, or she's almost like stumbling down, or she's crapping on herself like uh, Nate, Nate, what was it, Nate? Uh, I forgot that his name was one of the Democrats. I mean, come on, that's all questionable. These old, you know, like the like the main main photo said, get rid of the fossils, keep the fuel. Get rid of the fossils and keep the fuel. You know exactly. That's that's a good exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, but, I'm, 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 you know, and, I, and I'm sorry to say it. I mean, not that I hate old people. It's just the thing is, when, when, you know, how much would it be? How much? What is it going to take? Is it isn't the pork barrels enough? Is the largesse not enough? You walk, you you walked in there with hundreds of thousands of dollars when you started, and you walk out a multimillionaire. So when well, is it enough? You know, when is it going to be enough? And you can see that this game of politics, how seductive it is. And how it really can fire up people's egos and that they don't want to let it go. They never want to let it go. They never want to retire. They never want to leave because there's such seductive power that comes along with politics. And, yeah. you know, we can talk about that across the board, whether it's Biden or Pelosi or Schumer or McConnell or, or, or Trump. There's this, it just, they just don't know when to say when. They don't. Is it is it going to take when they say there's 54 states? I don't rem- remember a public republic having 54 states. I thought it was 50, but Biden told us it was 54 states. Now, if we're going to go through Biden's gaffes, the show will go on for the six hours tonight because there are a lot of. <laughs> but that's just you know, it's just you know, like was it yesterday where he was reading and he says, "I don't know what I'm reading." He got nervous. <laughs> and so, you know, he said, "I can't, I can't read this." There were his notes. There were the notes that his handler put in front of him. So oh, if it's just handler, you know they're probably written so he could read it, and he didn't know how to read it. 
you know, it's, oh, it's, wow. it's scary sometimes to see that kind of a thing. And I, I, I don't... That's supposed know. to be the leader of the free world, the guy that had the nuclear code? Wow. That's the problem with people their age running, is that even even when they're... If you're at that age and you're at a certain point, you're okay, you never know what's going to happen just two years down the line. There could be a huge difference between 78 and 80 when it comes to cognitive abilities. You know, so it's not... You know, that that's another term limit that they have to put for good. This yeah. could never happen. This is embarrassing. I don't know the history of the United States other than maybe this guy and Trump and anybody before him. We've never really had old presidents. People too are to blame on this. It's like I blame the people too in Pennsylvania for electing Fetterman. That should have been an Oswin. I'm not an Oz guy, but that should have been an Oz uh, Oswin. I don't well, know how people could be that dumb. I don't know if we elected Fetterman or Giselle. His wife. I think we might have elected Giselle. I think she's going to be the real senator from what I've seen so far. Exactly. Right? The Pretty much. But, but I think, think about Reagan. You know, think about Reagan and how the last, what was it, the last couple of years they were questioning his cognitive abilities and how that was just a, it was a huge thing. And believe me, that was a huge thing on the left. The Democrats couldn't stop talking about how Reagan had lost it and Nancy's running things and her Ouija board and all that. But when it comes to their, when, when someone on their side, Biden, they go, oh, no, nothing to see here. No problem. <laughs> nothing to see here. No. So this this guy has, no, of know. course. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, I think it was earlier this year, uh, uh, Mike, you probably saw it when uh, Obama came around. People just, just just flocked him. They they were around him. They were happy for him. They were probably looking yep. for their their next hope, and they totally abandoned uh, Biden. He was like, uh, "I'm over here, guys." Like, uh, "Hello," you yep. know. And you're yeah. supposed to be the president, and somebody's taking your spotlight away. Wow. No but there's just there. but there's such you know. I think you'd agree with me. There's such gullibleness with the Democrats lately. I mean, it's like the young people, the 18 to 30 year old, the Generation Z, they vote for a guy, they vote for a party because their president says that he's going to forgive, you know, student loans, that he's going to codify Roe v. Wade. And then like eight seconds after the election's over um, and the Democrats do better than they, they expected, student loan forgiveness is blocked. Biden says there's nothing he can do about abortion after all. You know, it's like the White House requests another $37 billion for Ukraine. So it's like it, the election had just ended. And all of a sudden, all the hopes this, 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 this of the dreams of Generation Z. This is all one big sick joke. I'm serious. This is all one big sick joke. I never thought I would yeah. see my republic, our beautiful republic like this, dude. Honestly, we're worse than a banana republic right now. In other ways, yes. You cannot really but, honestly criticize Venezuela or any any country that has fraud. We're it right now. The the freest country, the country. What was it? The leader of the free world. We were the, we, we were supposed to be the shining light on a hill, right? Yep. And look at this. Look at where we're at. I know. We become we become a communist country in the way we do. You know, I know it's it's the fascists running the show. I know it's the secret government. I know it's the secret societies and all that. Corporates, and I, I know I hear it all the time. I, I agree, but you know, but never, never. Let me let me tell you this, Mike, and I'm going to end it with this because I know you got other people, and the show must go on. Is I'll never re- turn this republic into uh, uh, Cuba or or communist North Korea. That's bullshit. Never, never. Sorry, I'd rather fight to the, my last day than to allow the great United States become some freaking Soviet republic or anything. You know, that's disgusting. Anyway, Mike, I love talking to you, brother. You know. I'm always a fan. Thanks. I know we're on the same side. So we God bless you. All right. Thanks. 
See how much nicer it is to call like Vlad who doesn't say something like I eat shit. <laughs> That's our show began with. Um, no, but it's true. I mean, I really, the lies that Biden told, it, once again, and I can talk this over and over again. Joe Biden's been telling lies for a half a century now, since like since I was born, like for 71, 72. He's been telling lies. All he's done is lie. All he's done is flip-flop and change depending on the way the political winds blow. And, you know, and we were all warning. This is not hindsight. This is not a hindsight thing. I mean, I and others were warning the younger generation that the student loan forgiveness thing was very icky, iffy, because the courts probably weren't going to allow it because you just can't act as a dictator and wave a magic wand. And Congress has the power of the purse, not the president, and that this thing would probably be blocked and may probably never go through. And what happens two seconds after the election is blocked and their website where you can apply is taken down. And then Biden says, I'm going to codify Roe v. Wade. We are going to, if we win, Biden said, if we win the Senate, Jack, I'm going to call off, we're going to codify Roe v. Wade. That's what he said. He said, if we win the Senate, okay, which is, of course, a lie because you probably need a ton more votes than 50 or 51. Then you need the House. And he knew he probably wasn't going to get the House. So this whole thing was a lie, right? And I, I knew it was a lie. Everyone knew it was a lie. I said it was a lie. And Democrats had had much more um, cachet than they have now or had under Biden in the past, right? Like under Obama, when they had total control and it wasn't just slim majorities, and they didn't codify Roe. So if they didn't do it then, why would they do it now? What happens two seconds after the election ends and they win the Senate? He says, not enough votes. There won't be enough votes. Of course there are enough votes. But it's it, to me, it's very, very frightening that the young generation is so easily fooled. That bothers me. Because when you get this 18 to 30-year-old generation Z and they're so easily fooled, it's, it's frightening because you, you hope that they'll become less naive. Usually it happens, right? People become less naive as they get older. Maybe this will help them. Maybe this will shock them into becoming less naive. But it's the using that generation that the Democrats have become so good at, just the way Democrats have been so good at using blacks and using Latinos and minorities to get votes when they've done nothing for them and during COVID it destroyed them totally. This is the problem that these people are so naive that they'll vote for these people. And I, I think that's frightening to me. That's frightening to me. And how, look how quickly the rug was pulled out from under them. Thanks for the votes. Go F off. Basically that's, that's what Biden and the Democrats said. Thanks for the votes. Thanks for the Senate. Go F yourself. Will they remember this? Will this generation remember this in just two short years? They'll be two years older. They'll be two years wiser. Will they Will they believe the next lie, whatever the next lie will be? It could be the same lies over again. Will they believe it? Will that be the next lie? Will the next lie be, well, only if we had more control, right? Only if we had 56 senators, you know, only if you give us the house back. Is it, it all these, only if I had a fresh term, what I could do. When are people going to stop? When are the younger generation going to stop being so naive with all this access now to information? And I'm not talking about mainstream media. I'm not talking about going to the New York Times website or Wall Street Journal. Being able to do your own investigation. Being able to use your own, you don't have to go to the library anymore. You can do it at home. You can do it on your phone. 
Do your own investigation. Read independent articles, independent media. With this access, and they don't take advantage of that because they're playing video games. It's just, to me, it's, 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 it's very depressing. It really is. It's very depressing. Well, look at this. We did almost two hours tonight. Yeah, we did almost a two-hour show. I thought this is twice as long as 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 uh, Trump's speech, which was too long to begin with. But uh, I guess the takeaway from the night is the Republicans got the House. We have split government. We have checks and balances. They'll be able to do investigations. Um, Trump is running, so the twenty twenty four election is now already started, which is it's getting absurd. It's getting absurd how early these things start. Another thing most other countries do better, short elections. You got your 30 days or your 60 days, and that's it. You you can't announce two years ahead of time that you're running. But we can. He filed with the – that's how people knew he was running before he made the announcement. You have to file before you actually announce. You can't announce, then file. So he had announced. It's public information. The media got a hold of it, so they showed papers that he filed like an hour before. He made the announcement, making it kind of anticlimactic, but – we allow people to file. We allow more election issues. We allow people to file two years ahead of time. Two years. And that's because this is a major moneymaker, man, with the ads with the ads that will be run, that the media makes money off of. It's disgusting. It's, let me guess. This will be the most expensive presidential election ever. Every four years we say that. This is the most expensive election ever. What's more of a cliche, that or this is the most important election ever? Dueling cliches. Anyway, I want to thank uh, everyone for who's there right now. Mike, Daniel, Cheech, Vlad. Quiet, quiet. Marvin, Maria, even, was it Jerry? Isn't he? Even the guy who said, I eat you-know-what, thanks. And uh, thanks to the callers and everyone listening. Remember, this show usually airs, usually, usually. Normally, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. But since I'm on the East Coast and I'm attending the Fox News Patriot Awards Thursday night, it'll air 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern this week. So we'll see you right back here tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. The show is in Let's Be Heard. I'm Mike Chopoli. Thanks for listening.